the Making the Madness College Basketball Podcast. What a wild week for Purdue. What a wild week in the sport. Uh, we've got certainly some upsets, but, I mean, the Boilermakers are in the news. Uh, this week they played at Illinois, at Indiana, two of the more tough games uh, that you're going to get in the Big Ten. And, Sean, you called both these uh, picks on the podcast. You'd say hey, they go I one did. and one. I said they went one and one. You called the right one and one, though. I uh, did. So, credit yeah. to you. Thank you. Thank you. And honestly, my reasoning was very incorrect, I feel like, because I thought Trace Jackson Davis was going to be able to have a solid day against Zach Eady, but he was pretty much a non-factor today. He was in foul trouble the entire game and was never able to get into the flow of anything. So it was was pretty interesting just the way the whole thing went today. Overall, I think uh, I came away impressed by Purdue, though. Even though they went one and one, they lost a game. Nobody's going to go unbeaten in Big Ten play. That's just what it is. I mean, that's the toughest league in the country to play road games in. And at the end of the day, they were able to compete with Illinois to have a tough game go to overtime. And they had a chance to win it there against Indiana, their arch rival. So they had two tough games against two teams that will be in the NCAA tournament. Maybe both teams win a game in the tournament. Solid week for Purdue. Good week for Indiana and Illinois. I mean, tough loss, but they competed. Yeah, and certainly I think Illinois, big fans of this Indiana win because I I still think at the end of the day, and we can kind of get into Purdue, Illinois, I still think at the end of the day, the two best teams in the Big Ten are Purdue and Illinois. And now uh, because Purdue loses this game to Indiana, obviously Illinois would like to have that win against Purdue, but uh, Illinois is sitting pretty atop the Big Ten standings. Uh, two games now ahead of Purdue, and that was certainly a big win for Indiana as a program. I kind of want to start, though, on that uh, the, fir- the first game in order here, uh, Purdue-Illinois. That was one of the games. Of Great the game, yeah. Double overtime, uh, starts at uh, noon Eastern on a Monday, 9 a.m. for you, right? 9 a.m. for me, yeah. That's an early tip, yeah. Early tip, I had to wake up early. Yeah, some, early, so. some early coffee. Uh, I think I woke up at like 8.45, so just in time. I remember time. last year, it was a Saturday. I was like, all right, I'm going to have to wake up at 9 a.m. I do every Saturday. But this one, I was like, all right, I have to be up because I can't wait to watch Baylor Gonzaga. And then my whole day was ruined when it got canceled. I'll never forget. <laughs> I, I nearly cried myself to sleep the following night. It was just not a night I cared for. Yeah. But luckily, we, we, we've had a few games like, get last minute canceled but none like anything hey, and it's slowing down yeah like the, the the wave of a lot of them happening happened and now we're kind of back to where we were at the beginning of the season like some periodically getting canceled but it's not like every time I check my Twitter a game got canceled that's what it was like I, I was more surprised when a game happened like a month ago yeah I was and, like all right I'm assuming this one's getting canceled yeah and two part of that was well, I think Omicron is still like very widespread. Yeah, I'm not a I'm not an infectious disease expert by any means. Yeah, I think it. The protocols change things. Yeah, the protocols have certainly changed things, and then two, I think you're seeing. I I would say some bit of herd immunity uh, because it seemed like every college program just got it all at like that late December. Uh, early January mark so uh, mm-hmm. if if us having like two weeks of 
basically no basketball is worth it to have uh, a regular conference play. I'll sign up for that because yeah, and, and, and in general, it sucks that anybody got it. You know, I don't wish anybody to get sick at all, but yeah. you know, it seems like everybody made it through healthy, so that's always a positive thing. Yeah, uh, but yeah, this game. Going back to it, I mean, really awesome game. Awesome that Fox did like a doubleheader. They obviously had the Howard Notre Dame game, which Howard awesome. was good. Yeah, yeah Howard's good. I mean, they're. They're a legit contender to, to win their conference. I mean, we saw it. Steve Settle, he could play at a lot of places if he wanted to. Like, he is good. 6'10", athletic, can shoot the ball, versatile defender. Like, he's a 6'10", he's a 6'10 guard slash wing. And he is very, very talented. Elijah Hawkins didn't have his best game, but he was solid. Uh, but Notre Dame, like, you know, that was that was a tough game because – Howard's really solid. It was a road game. They come out with the win, it, but it would have been a bad loss for their NCAA tournament resume. Yeah. So I, I think it was like a good game for both sides. Like Notre Dame, it's glad they played that because I think it's, for one, just a really good kind of learning experience just as a program. And two, getting to you know, kind of help out Howard as well, uh, get on you know Fox TV and uh, having that game be close, I think that's that's going to do wonders for Howard going forward. I don't think it'll be the last time you see on MLK Day Howard play some big team. I don't know if it'll be Notre Dame every year. Maybe Notre Dame does this every year. But I think more programs, like I wouldn't be surprised if like Duke or someone like that ends up playing at Howard on MLK Day. Uh, maybe, maybe Duke wouldn't be the best team for it because Duke would probably – win by more than what Notre Dame did. But uh, Howard, certainly I, I wouldn't be surprised if Howard is playing some notable high-name high program on MLK Day uh, going forward. Uh, but, yeah, the first game, though, certainly double overtime thriller. Uh, Zach Eady, you know, we, I, I kind of, you know, going – to this Kofi Coburn, like Coburn had been so dominant uh, in big 10 play and Zach Eady, I think was kind of just the perfect matchup for him because he's not going to get out physical out, you know, big bodied by Kofi Coburn uh, because he's seven foot five, like 250 pounds. Like he's, he's, he's seven, four, two ninety. Seven, four, two ninety. Yeah. He's gigantic. And he's a large, and, he's a large man. Yeah. He made, and like Co- Coburn, like just kind of overpowers people. He wasn't able to overpower Zach mm-hmm. Eady, and uh, I think that made a big difference. Uh, Purdue got out to kind of the big lead. Coburn got in foul trouble. I thought when they he got in foul trouble, they went to Andre Corbello, kind of played that uh, three super kind of super small guard lineup. But hey, it worked, and uh, Andre Corbello came back from a concussion injury, got them back in the game. Forced overtime, forced double overtime, but uh, in the end, Purdue just found a way to win, and that was a resilient road win, uh, followed by a tough road loss. Yeah, I mean, getting Andre Curbelo back, like you said, that's big because he was really good in this game. He didn't look like himself early in the season. Uh, you, you look at the game against Marquette; he was just turning the ball over left and right, but he was able to get in the lane. He was able to just uh, 
assess the situation inside, kind of just maneuver his way around the paint and find good looks inside. That's his game. He's not a shooter. I don't know if he'll ever be a shooter. That's just not really what he does. But he's able to find lanes and get to the bucket, set up others, and score for himself. He's a really good player. Uh, but Kofi Coburn, like, I, obviously amazing player, one of the best in the country. But And I, I'm not saying this for any reason to, like, take away from Kofi Coburn, but he's been – he struggled against the two most notable matchups on the schedule. That's against Arizona. Christian Coloco did a great job against him. And then the Zach Eady and Trevion Williams mix did a really good job on him too. So it's not like he's impossible to stop. Like if you have a really solid defensive big man, that's also big and physical. You can stop Kofi Coburn and make Illinois beat you from the perimeter. Yeah. And the two Coburn's like, and they lost both those games, by the way. Yeah. But time to Coburn, like you're the the thing about him, I don't think like most teams will be able to kind of stop him. Like, you, how many teams have Zach Eady, who's seven four two ninety, or uh, how many teams have Christian Coloco, who's seven one? I'm probably guessing his weight, maybe like two seventy, two eighty. I think it is two seventy. Yeah, it might be two fifty. He, yeah, he I, was like 220, I think, in his freshman year, and he's really bulked up. Yeah. But like, oh, he's, the, two, he's 230. That's a lot less than I thought. Yeah. But he's like, he's physically strong. So, I mean, you yeah, need, he's, he's a big dude. You need a tall guy who's like physically strong to match up with Coburn, mm-hmm. which most teams in college basketball do not have. Like, they're, I, I can probably count on maybe two hands, maybe three hands. It, Probably more hands than I would like to think, but and we, let's let's go through let's go through it a little bit. Adama Sanogo. Yeah. Uh, as we're recording this, he just blocked a Bryce Enzi shot into like the fifth row. Um, like I, I think, don't think I don't think he's that good. Like overall, but Miles Johnson is big enough. Yeah, I'm like, going he's through a good my defender, but not like a great offensive player. But for this exercise, that doesn't really matter. I'm going through my bracketology. I think Walker Kessler, maybe. Yeah. Uh, Mark Williams. Yeah, Mark Williams. Maladin Armouche from Boise State, I think, would have an argument in that. I, th- I think Kofi would get the better of him, but he's physical and big enough to uh, at least be there with Kofi, physicality-wise. Yeah. The the other issue, I think, like, Frazier and Curbelo would be – like, I think Illinois would win that game, but... Yeah, well, that's part of why Illinois is so tough, though, because when yeah. I say you have to beat... Uh, the guards have to beat them on the perimeter or have to beat the uh, opposing team from the perimeter when Kofi's struggling like that and kind of taken out of the game, it's not like they're incapable of doing it. They're more than capable of doing it. We've seen it this year. Alfonso Plummer's averaging 16 a game for a reason, and Trent is a fifth-year senior that's been there and done that. So they have yeah. the weapons to do that. Yeah, and certainly, I mean... If Coburn is able to just kind of dominate and overpower you, I mean, he's going to do that. And you're going to probably lose that game against Illinois. Like mm-hmm. maybe like they played Gonzaga. I think Coburn could probably, I think he could make Chet Holmgren look, you know, look, I think he could maybe bully Chet Holmgren. Holmgren would block a few shots, but like Coburn would get his in that game. I think, I think but Gonzaga, Gonzaga would, would double Coburn. Yeah, but Gonzaga would also, I think, score 110 points in that mm -hmm. game and be able to still win that game. Yeah, because they would make Kofi 
defend in space. That's what Gonzaga yeah. does. Yeah. And you'd see like Drew Timmy and Chet Holmgren having like a field day passing her ball back and forth from the free throw line. Just to- reminiscent to what a loyal Chicago did just have Cam Crutwig uh, in, near the free throw line or on the, on the behind the three point line, just making passes all day. They just yeah. had no answer for that in the tournament last year. Yeah. Like that, that would probably be what would happen. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, like Purdue, Purdue, a uh, different example, maybe like Kansas or Baylor. I, I don't know. I think Coburn would get his, you know, against those two teams. But then again, Kansas and Baylor, I think, have the shooting to kind of match that. Uh, so, mm-hmm. like, it, it's not easy to beat Illinois. But, like, if you, if you are able to kind of slow Coburn, you certainly have a chance to beat Illinois. Uh, and then there's certain like offensive teams where I think they would just be able to, you know, beat Illinois. But Illinois is not an easy matchup. But I no, think it was kind good. of a good matchup for Purdue. Hundred mm-hmm. percent uh, agree. And like moving over to the Indiana Purdue game, look, I mean, Rob Finnessy had the best game of his college career. There, that's just the fact of the matter. Like it's not even really discussion. It was career high, and he hit the game winning shot, the go ahead three pointer to put him up one. And Trace Jackson Davis. He did nothing today, and it's not because like he played poorly. He was just in foul trouble the entire game because Zach Eady just gave him a tough matchup all day, uh, and he made a big block on a Jaden Ivy drive at the end of the game. So you could take away whatever stats Trace had in this game. They don't matter at the end of the day because Indiana won, and he had the game-saving block. So I think uh, the fact that Indiana was able to win and Trace Jackson Davis didn't do anything is impressive for Indiana, and I think overall – uh, if you're an Indiana fan, you have to be encouraged by that because I think everybody thought Trace Jackson Davis would would had to have a big game if Indiana was able to win today. Yeah, certainly, and I I would say no different. I think you you predicted this obviously. You said Trace Jackson Davis would need a big game, and yeah, I was wrong. Like I yeah. I totally I was trying to I did a, a Twitter Spaces thing today, and uh, Indiana fan came in. And I was like, hey, I think Indiana wins. But if Trace Jackson Davis gets in foul trouble, I think it could be a blowout. So, like, I, I, when Trace Jackson Davis picks up his second foul with 15 minutes left in the first half, I'm like, this could end poorly for Indiana. Nope, they go on a run. I mean, they just picked up steam at that point. And uh, just the guards played well. They were able to make perimeter shots. And their defense is great. Like, their defense has been really good all year. It's just been the lack of consistency when it comes to shot making. Like right now, they rank 11th in Ken Palm's defensive efficiency, 78th offensively. They were solid offensively today, nothing special, but they were great defensively, and that's what led them to this win. They'll be back in the NCAA tournament this year. I think this kind of stamps or punches their ticket in a sense because that gets them another quality win. They also have one over Ohio State. They have a neutral over Notre Dame. Uh, you know, not the best resume of all time, but they have two wins against top 15 teams. I mean, there's not much, much more you can ask for. They don't have any terrible losses. I guess the Syracuse loss isn't particularly great, uh, but Indiana is going to be back in the dance this year. And Trace Jackson Davis, uh, I'm happy for him. Like, assuming they're able to get there, Trace Jackson Davis, uh, it, he'll be fun to watch in the tournament because that's a guy that could have went pro after his freshman year and you know, see what happens, probably get a two-way contract. They decided to stick it out for three years. Yeah. I mean, they, they still, they'll have to, like, get to probably, like, 19 wins, I think. They're probably. tracking, though. Yeah. They're they're certainly, like, 
in some of their games upcoming, just now kind of glancing at their schedule, like, well, I guess we'll touch on. I mean, Nebraska, they play them again. They're not yeah. going to win many games. Minnesota, they they play hard every game. They do. Yeah. They're just not nearly as talented as Indiana. Uh, Michigan, that's on Sunday. Yeah, in Assembly we'll Hall. touch on that yeah. later. But, yeah, I mean, theoretically, if they can get those next two. Well, well let's let's run through it real fast. So they have Michigan. Let's not predict that one, but I think we're going to be on the same page there. Let's just give them yeah. a win. We can discuss the spread part of it later. Uh, yeah. So we both have them winning that one. I'm assuming you have them beating Penn State at home. Yeah. Okay, so, I mean, so that gets them to 16, 16 wins. And then they play at Maryland. I think that's a win, even though it's on the road. Maryland's not very yeah. good. 17. Uh, home against Illinois. I think they'll win, but let's just give them a loss because I'm they're not going to win every game the rest of the year. How about this? Uh, I'll give them one win between Maryland and Illinois. Okay. They split yeah, that's those fair. two. That's fair. Yeah. Okay. So they'll be at 17 following that stretch at 17 and five. Yeah. And then I think, I think they could beat Northwestern on the road, 18 and five. Yeah. At Michigan state, that's probably a loss uh, at Ohio or at home against Wisconsin. I'd, I'll give them a loss there, even though it's at home. That's 18 yeah. and seven. Yeah. And I, then at Ohio state, 18 and eight, Maryland, 19 and eight. At Minnesota, twenty and eight with yeah two games left. So I think and then they I, play I Rutgers that, in their senior night. So yeah, I think they split the final two. I think they'll lose at Mackey, and I think they'll beat Rutgers. So it's twenty one and ten in the regular season. No, twenty one and nine. Yeah, they'll be at that point. I mean, I think they could get if they go if they do what they should. If they do what they're supposed to do, they'll be in the tournament. Like if yeah. they just have a collapse and they won't be. Yeah. But, you know, they, they have the games on the schedule that they should win to get there. Yeah. And certainly, I think this win certainly helps, I think, put them outside. Like, coming into tonight, they weren't on, on the bubble conversation, but they weren't, like, a, for sure, like, safe, like, too safely in. Like, they were in, but not by, like, a huge margin. I think this takes it to, like, they're looking at being a single digit seed. Now they're looking at, uh, I've not updated my bracket, but they'll probably, I would think be maybe like a seven seed entering tomorrow. Uh, if, if you want, you can go double check. I think that's where I'll end up putting them. I haven't done the stats, but yeah, I mean, at that point, it's just about not completely having the bottom fallout, which I don't think this Indiana team will have the bottom fallout. I think they'll lose games. I think they'll kind of maybe finish just above middle of the pack, maybe like 11, 9, 12, and 8 in Big Ten play. I don't think they're a Big Ten title contender, but uh, they're going to make the NCAA tournament uh, minus the bottom completely falling out, Mm -hmm. Uh, which is certainly big for Mike Woodson in his first year. So uh, good win for Indiana. As for Purdue, like this is as tough as a two-game stretch as you're going to get, like, to play on the road at Illinois and go to double overtime and get that win, that was certainly huge. And then you have to go to a charged-up rival who has – you have beaten nine times in a row. Uh, it's, you know, seemingly every single year you beat Indiana at this point. And that fan base was certainly rabid. They were winning that win. Uh, they marked down their calendar. Like, as soon as the Big Ten schedule came out, Boom that game was probably sold out to every single Indiana fan like that. That's the game Indiana was waiting for. 
And credit to Indiana for getting the win. Credit to them, you know, rushing the court. Uh, it was a charged up, you know, energy building. And that's still a tough loss for Purdue. But I, I don't take anything less from Purdue for this two-game stretch. In fact, I was kind of impressed with them for kind of being in this game, having a chance to win, and ultimately didn't go their way. Uh, but I saw a great resiliency from this Purdue team. No question. Yeah, I mean, Purdue's going to be a potential Final Four team for a reason. We saw that these last two games. Absolutely. Uh, we did get a couple more upsets from this week. Duke, they lost to Florida State. Kind, kind of a you know, surprising result. Florida State was up big. Uh, Duke came back, took the lead, but uh, the game got into overtime. And you don't win overtime games against Blair Hamilton and Florida State. Uh, that's not Apparently 13 not. straight yeah. overtime victories for Florida State. Uh, yeah, you just – you don't go into overtime and beat Florida State. And even Duke wasn't able to do that. Uh, they end up falling 79-78. Uh, good block, though, by John Butler at the end to seal the game away. Here's the thing for me. I mean, it's insane that Paulo Bancaro went 15 minutes in the second half without shooting the ball. I don't think that's on him. I think it's more that they just weren't finding him. And you got to find Paulo Bancaro often. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm not I thought, concerned about Duke, but a good win for Florida State. Puts him back in the tournament picture. Yeah. I mean, the, the thing is, Duke, I still think, probably has the most talent. Like, one through five, like, you're looking at this. Yeah, I would say one through six. Like, Bancaro is going to be a potential number one pick, at least top three pick. Adrian Griffin's going to be probably a top 10 pick. Like Wendell Moore, probably going pro. Mark Williams will go pro. Trevor All Keels. Will, picks. Yeah. Trevor Keels, maybe. All top 20 picks, probably. Yeah. Trevor Keels, maybe second round. I think, eh, I'd I say, think he'd be a first if he left. Oh, there's a lot of firsts. I I don't think he's, I don't think Moore or Keels are like for sure first round picks, but they're, they're like clear NBA players. Mm-hmm. And then Jeremy Roach, I mean, he's he'll probably be back next year. Yeah, but like he he'll probably next year be like taking the reins at point guard, and then I'd say next after next year he'd probably go to the NBA. But like Duke still has a ton of talent. I think they're going to be fine. I mean that the thing is like they they didn't shoot it well. I think Keels kind of got a little shot happy. I think when he went out. Uh, I kind of Duke went to that zone and they're kind of putting the ball in Bancaro's hands, which uh, maybe put Paulo Bancaro, you know, give Paulo Bancaro the ball more. I, uh, I think having kills in that last possession, though, I think you could tell that you didn't have a true point guard on the floor there because Wendell Moore made a very bad shot selection. Yeah. I'd say like you could maybe make Paulo the point guard on some mm, possessions. I'd rather have kills out there though. Like, I want the yeah. ball in Keels' hand to make a decision there. Like, I think he would have been able to find Paulo. I, Moore was never passing that ball. Yeah. Although, I, I think this game, like, Keels struggled, which, you know, he's a freshman. He's going to have games where he struggles. Like, I'm not concerned. Like, I just didn't think he had it that night. Uh, he'll, like, defensively, he's very good. Like, he provides a lot to the team. I think, didn't think like offensively he was providing much, but I thought when Ben Caro started, they started playing through him, 
the Duke offense kind of woke up a little bit. Mark Williams, I mean, he he had a really good game. I thought he was uh, impactful for Duke to kind of get back in the game. But, I mean, this still is a Duke team. Live talent, uh, they, they're still pretty young. They're going to have games where, like this where uh, Florida State just kind of mucks it up and, you know, has it being a grind out type of game and occasionally Duke's going to fall in some of these, but I mean, Duke, maybe this takes them out being a one seed, like maybe, you know, they're, they're probably not going to be the number one overall seed at this point. Uh, but at the end of the day, they still can make a final four. They still can win a national championship. And this loss isn't necessarily going to uh, change my mind about that. No, not at all. They, I, that, didn't even really cross my mind a whole lot. I think they'll be just fine. Uh, looking at another, though, big upset, Marquette going on the road, beating Villanova, something they hadn't done in quite some time. Shaka Smart's doing a fantastic job in his first year back home in Wisconsin for Marquette. They were able to play their style yesterday. They are able to make the game ugly, and if you're Marquette and you can make the game ugly against Villanova, you're doing a good job. Villanova won six for 24 from three. Down the stretch, I think they had one field goal in the final four minutes, and that was uh, calling Gillespie and one. Marquette hit shots when it mattered. Justin Lewis with the final seven points of the game. He had 21 on the night. Greg Elliott hit a couple shots, and Marquette looked pretty bad offensively for most of the game, but when it mattered, they hit shots. Marquette will be in the NCAA tournament this season. They have some really good wins beating Illinois. You no, know, it was without Kobe Coburn. Still a good win, and then they're able to beat Seton Hall. You're able to beat Villanova on the road. That's one of the best wins you can get. Marquette, not a team I'd want to face in the tournament because of how hard they play. Certainly, and a little trivia, who is the last coach uh, to beat uh, Villanova in the pavilion until Shaka Smart report? Mm. Oh, I do know this. It was uh, Bob Ritchie. Oh, Big East team. Big East oh, only. Yeah, okay. My um, bad. My bad on that. The, the correct answer is Bob Ritchie, though. I think so, yes. Um, I, so what year is this? Uh, 2017. Uh. Okay, so like 2016-17 or 17-18? 2016-17. Okay. Um, hmm. How am I blanking on it? Dave Lato? No. Although he did beat Villanova in the Wells Fargo Center the next year. Lavelle Jordan? Uh, Was he even their right, coach yet? Right school, wrong coach. Chris Holtman? Chris Holtman. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, it's been it's been a little while since a Big East team won at Villanova in the Pavilion, but hey, Shaka Smart uh, gets it done. I mean, great defensive performance by this Marquette team. Kind of really stuck, you know, kept them in this game. Only allowed one basket, I think, in the final six minutes of the game. Mm-hmm. So that they was just, they just locked it down defensively. Nothing, nothing was happening there. They nobody was yeah. scoring on them. Yeah, and ju- timely shot making from Justin Lewis. Uh, they really needed his timely shot making and hits the big three. Uh, they get the stop. Uh, very kind of like situationally aware defensive play by Colic. Couldn't quite get the rebound, but he just kind of like volleyball spiked the ball into the backcourt. And I think by the time I want to say Gillespie got to it, he was throwing up a prayer from 75 feet that had no chance of going in. So very good defensive stand on a missed shot rebound but uh yeah big win for Marquette at this point 
they're kind of in the same situation as Indiana. Oh boy, little little live hoops action here. Quick update. Head to the studio here. Uh, little studio break. Boise State wins another game. Marcus Shaver Jr. game winning three. Boom. There we go. So where 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 are they in the bracket now? Uh. Well, since Belmont lost, they're probably going to move in. They weren't in yet? They were not in. Wow. But they're probably going to move in now. Boise Thank State. You, Good for Boise. Good for Boise. Leon Rice doing a terrific job this year. Good team. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the Boise State, they're, they're right on the bubble watching. The Mountain West has got, I think, Colorado State, San Diego Nine bits. State. I'm thinking nine, at least, maybe ten. I, I'm not going to say nine, but, like, Colorado State, San Diego State, I think we'll both get in. But Boise State, Wyoming, uh, Utah, I think we kind of touched on Utah State, maybe. They're they're done in the at-large uh, conversation. They're yeah. going to be ten and nine after today. Yeah, but, like, Boise State and Wyoming both have very good chances. Fresno State, I mean – and Fresno State. Don't say more Fresno State. Yeah. I was like, Orlando I'm, Robinson. I know I'm forgetting someone here. It's Fresno State. San Diego State. Oh, yeah. Colorado yeah. State, San Diego State, Fresno State, Wyoming, and Boise. Yeah. I think they'll probably get like three. Thinking, I'll say Boise joins. Thinking nine. I don't know if I can get there on nine. Yeah. I mean, maybe 10. We're getting close. Best league in the country. Yeah. Just kidding, uh, but probably probably like four. Yeah, three or four. Um, I'd love to see five. Not quite the best league in the country, which it's it's up there. It's up there. I would say the Big Twelve is better. Which the Big Twelve is just that gauntlet. Uh, this week, I, we had some you know surprising upsets. Kansas State takes down Texas on the road. Tough loss for Chris Beard. I, mean, Chris- I think Texas is fine. Like I, I'll probably feel this way all year. Just there's too much talent there. But here's my thing about this game: Marcus Carr was having like his best game of the year. He needs to have the ball in the final possession, final two possession. I think the final three possessions he didn't touch the ball. Might have touched. He didn't shoot it. Uh, so he needs to have the ball and make whatever decision he makes on the final possessions of games. That I think I don't know if they would have won if that happened. But when he was having the night he had. He needs to have the ball in his hands. I, I don't care who else is on the floor. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you need to get the ball to Marcus Carr. Uh, I thought for Kansas State, like, this is kind of a team that I wouldn't say is trending towards an at-large bid just because I don't know if they'll be able to kind of rack up wins. But they did not lose to Fort Hayes State this year. Did not lose to Fort Hayes State. I mean, if they get to – Nine and nine in the Big Twelve, which is very tough. They at that point they would get in. Like I, they're one. You know they the one thing they need to avoid having is like the my rule, which is I want to say three or I want to say four games above five hundred to get in. Uh, mm-hmm. Is kind. I of think what, they could get there. Yeah. I mean. Uh, they've had some close losses too. Like, let, let me pull up their uh, numbers here. They're what ten and eight? Uh, I think ten and seven. Ten and seven. Uh, they had a close loss at Oklahoma. Oklahoma didn't have Tanner Groves, but that's fine. Close loss at home against TCU. That's one that's 
going to hurt a little bit. That, that's yeah. one you'd like to have back. Close loss yeah. at West Virginia. Um, close loss at home against Marquette. I think that one went down to the final possession. So we're talking like if those four games had different results, they have 14 wins right now. So yeah. they haven't been very lucky in terms of things going their way, but this they look the part of a tournament team. I mean, I don't know if they'll get there, but – they're at the very least on the bubble, like every other team in the Big 12, except for Oklahoma State. TCU, Kansas State, I don't think either of them will end up making the NCAA tournament. But the fact they're on the bubble and Oklahoma State would be on the bubble, that just kind of shows how deep this Big 12 is. And uh, you, we will mention, I mean, Kansas narrowly escapes against Oklahoma. Christian Brown, uh, your guy, drills a game-wing three to beat them. Baylor. Fan. Baylor barely escaped West Virginia. Uh, so, I mean, every night in the Big 12, it is it is a gauntlet and feels more and more like 13-5 might be enough to win this league. It's not an easy league, that's for sure. I mean, Iowa State's solid. I mean, they're good. They're a ranked team. I don't know if they're actually going to end up being top 25, but they're good. Obviously, Baylor's really good. They had a, they had a solid bounce back win there against West Virginia. Kansas, they were able to win that road game there. And all these teams are beatable. That's what we're seeing, though. There's no team that's, like, head and shoulders better than the rest. I feel like it's still Kansas and Baylor, but they're beatable on any given night. And that's what you're getting in the Big 12. Yeah. And I I, I will pick Kansas to win the league. Uh, I'll, I'll say actually a tie, but, like, if you told me one team's going to win this league, I'd pick Kansas just because uh, kind of that Allen Fieldhouse – effect where like it's teams don't win in Allen Fieldhouse like you almost have to be 10 points better than Kansas to win there but like this uh, big unless 12, you're Iowa State they almost did it well they, they were only nine pe- points better than Kansas so uh as the saying goes but yeah I mean big 12 is going to be a gauntlet this season you know Kansas escapes with a win against Oklahoma. Oklahoma certainly put up a good fight, especially defensively. Uh, thought, you know, didn't see much of Remy Martin. He was back in this game. Didn't really play a whole lot, which is something to kind of monitor, but Kansas gets the win anyway. And Baylor, no James Akincho, no Jeremy Sohan, which I don't know if, when he'll be back, but that'd be something uh, we could, you know, kind of monitor. But uh, yeah, I mean, for Baylor to get this win at West Virginia without those two players, that's certainly big for them. And uh, yeah, Big 12, I would say Baylor and Kansas are kind of tracking to be either one or two seeds. Uh, both Texas Tech will probably be like a three seed. And then, you know, rest of Big 12, I'd say probably ends up with seven bids. Another team tracking to make the NCAA tournament this season are the Davidson Wildcats. They come out with a nice road win against VCU. They're looking like head and shoulders, the best team in the Atlantic 10 of the season. Great job by Bob McKillop, one of the more offense, one of the best offensive minds in the country when it comes to coaching. 13th in offensive efficiency, 42% from deep, 58% effective field goal percentage. Mike Jones shooting 52% from deep. Uh, this wasn't the game winner for Mike Jones, was it? Yeah, this is against Richmond, but he had, he had a pretty solid night in this one also. Foster Lawyer, had another solid game because that that's what he does. 14 points for him. Jones at 13. Luka Bradskovich had 19. He's kind of the unsung hero for this 
for this Davidson team down low. He's the most experienced player on the team, and he just gets the job done inside. Love this Davidson team, the way they play offensively. They're not a team I'd want to face in the tournament. They don't have a ton of depth, which is one of my issues with them, They and they uh, aren't very good defensively. But if you can't stop them offensively, they can beat you, and they've won uh, 12 games in a row. So they're one of the hottest teams in the country. I would not want to see them on my side of the bracket in March as an eight or a nine seed because they can pick off a one seed. Yeah, and at this point, I mean, they might not be in that eight, nine game. They're The way they've been winning, they might track to be like a seven seed or something like that. So, yeah, I mean, Davidson, they've been playing fantastic uh, here of late. I mean, got that win against Alabama to really, I think, put them uh, on the watch of everyone. Uh, and then, you know, they've kind of been making up games as they've gone. Uh, played Richmond, very tough game, but they came away. You know, Mike Jones drilled that three to – lift them past Richmond. And then obviously this game against VCU, uh, if you told me they went one and two in those two games, I would have said, you know what, that's pretty solid for Davidson. So the fact they're able to go two and in that stretch, uh, let's assume they beat Fordham. Uh, they'll play VCU and LaSalle at home. I, I mean, they if can... they don't beat Fordham, then that's not ideal. Yeah. So, I mean, if they can get those next three, that's set up for kind of an intriguing game. They'll head to St. Bonaventure. Uh, that's I think probably that's a loss. I think that's a loss on the road. But the Bonnies, yeah. I mean, I, do you want to get into them? I mean, what? Do, that's just. I, I'm. I was gonna say like, what are we doing? But like, the, given this was a tough game, Dayton's a tough team to beat on the road. They have one of the best home court environments in the country. But St. Bonaventure is not doing itself favors. Like they're probably not going to be an at-large team at this point. Yeah, that win against Boise State is aging better and better as the days go on that went against Marquette looks good uh, that went against Clemson, whatever, but the loss against Northern Iowa could be what ultimately really hurts them. Yeah. And losing to Virginia, not losing to Virginia tech. I mean, Virginia techs, it was on a neutral, like that'll be a quadrant one loss. Yeah. But the way they lost, like you lose. That's true. They they got absolutely blown out. Like if you lose that game, you know, 74 to 63 or something like that, it's like, Okay, that's a tough loss, but hey, you know, it it happens. I mean, to just get utterly blown out in that game, I mean, that's going to be, you know, something that I think ends up kind of costing St. Bonaventure uh, an at-large bid just because they won't kind of have the metrics to back up uh, where their resume would suggest. Like if they're ranked 80th in the net, uh, that's not going to be a welcoming sign for, uh, the NCAA tournament committee, they're probably not going to consider them. So they I dropped mean, 19 I, spots in Ken Palm after this game. Yeah. I mean, they, and like losing at date, like Dayton, Dayton on the road is a tough place to play. Like I'd say it's the best home court in the Atlantic 10 by far. I'd say it's probably, you know, at worst top 15 in the country. Like wing at Dayton is not easy, Mm-mm. but at the same point, like, you need to be somewhat in that game. And they it just never felt like they had a chance to win that game. And Dayton, like maybe I, I just can't take them seriously for an at-large bid because they have three Q4 losses. So the odds of them making the tournament just aren't great. I think they could win the A-10 tournament and win a game in the NCAA tournament, but they set themselves back so far. Like they have a irre, irreparable, is that, is that a word? Irreparable irreparable losses on the resume yeah like you just can't lose to umass lowell lipscomb and austin p at home you just can't and they did yeah. now granted the miami win 
looking better and better. That's aging great. But like the win over Kansas, like they have some wins yeah. to maybe kind of offset it. But yeah. as a team with three quadrant four losses ever got in, like I, I, I feel like no, right? Like, I mean, yeah. the net's been around for what, five years? Yeah. I, I mean, the per- closest thing I can remember is Providence in 2020 would have made it in. They're also in the Big East. Yeah. But they, yeah, they had, they had like three. Three or four quadrant three slash quadrant four losses. Like I think it was a combination of that. They like played in some. Uh, I think it was the wooden legacy. The, and they, the wooden legacy. They lost to uh, Penn. They lost to Pepperdine. Maybe. Sure. And College of Charleston. That sounds about right. If I'm right, I mean, I'll be very. I was not looking at it, so if I got it right, I wasn't cheating. This was yeah. 2019-2020. Yeah. They lost, oh, man. They did play Pepperdine, but they won. They lost to Penn, Long Beach State, in Charleston. I was close. Close. Hey, two out of three. That's... They did play Pepperdine, though. They, they just won. Darn. Had to win I think that Arizona game. was in that uh, MT also. Uh, my memory serves me correctly here. But Pepperdine or Providence didn't win enough games to end up playing them. So... Was Arizona yeah. in it? They were. I mean, just what a great stretch by me right there. There you go. Giving myself a pat on the back. Give, give the pat on the back. A plus. Uh, yeah, I mean, but yeah, Providence also, they won at Villanova. Uh, I think they like beat Seton Hall. I think they beat uh, Creighton, I want to say. I'm that's kind of come off memory. Like they, they would have been like an eight seed, but they had like six quadrant one wins. So uh, that, that kind of offset Dayton, I think Miami, Kansas, Belmont, Virginia tech. Well, that's at home. So probably not. They'll, they'll end up with like four or five quadrant one wins maybe, but I don't think it'll be enough uh, to get into the NCAA tournament. Yeah, and San Francisco's winning. They are up 2 nothing. So we'll see how this ends up going. All right. That's it. Uh, screen shine the score as we have it. And it's uh, tied. Uh, Insert the South Park and it's gone meme, and that's what just happened. That lead lasted about eight seconds. So, Wait, my, my CBS Sports app has not updated yet, so it still has the game at 0-0. Zero, zero. It's very incorrect. It, it's wrong. I'm a minute I'm, behind, at least. Oh, I'm screenshotting now. It says two zero. There we go. I I I am. I'm gonna send this tweet out. Uh, yeah, you're already so. behind though, so it's like already outdated. Nope, we're we're sending it out anyway. Outdated tweet. All right. Well, All right. Yeah. I guess we'll continue with the actual uh, podcast here. Uh, let's see. UNC Miami. UNC isn't very good. I think I can come to that conclusion at this point. They should not be in the NCAA tournament at this moment. And unless they beat Duke, they probably won't be. I mean, maybe maybe they'll be in the conversation if they can rattle off some wins, but they got blown out by Miami. That game was never close. They just got hammered. And they don't defend anybody still. That's still a problem. They allowed 85 points. 
unless they're going to play defense at some point this year, they're not making the tournament. They have no good wins. They don't have a single quadrant one win. They have one quadrant two win. The West, the rest are quadrant three and quadrant quadrant four wins. This isn't a tournament team right now. Yeah, it's just this. Yeah, I'm going to forget about like the bubble talk with them. Like, win a game that matters, and then we could talk about the bubble. Yeah, I mean, I think they'll still get in, just because like they'll be. I don't think so though. Like that's that's what we. That's what we said last year about like Kentucky, and this team's better in Kentucky. We said the same thing about Duke. That's that's probably a better comp. Like you and I on this podcast, we're like, well, Duke will find a way in, right? And they didn't because they just weren't that good. I think we're seeing the same thing this year with North Carolina. That could be. It's, it's just, kind of similar issues. Neither team defended anybody. Yeah, this team is just like it's absurdly frustrating because like there seems to be like no buy-in from anyone. Like it's like. All right, we need to buy into guarding tonight. And then they proceed to leave Sam Wardenberg wide open for like, what is it, eight straight threes? He made eight so, straight threes? It, it, I'm it, not going to lie. I didn't watch this game at all. Like, as soon as I thought about it, I was like, I'm good. Yeah, Wardenberg made five threes. So, oh, only five. Yeah. I mean, five of six. Sam Wardenberg at 21 points. I think that tells you everything you need to know. Yeah. I mean, he, he was – I watched, like, a couple uh, seconds of this, and, like, I turned it on. Miami was already winning, and then uh, Wardenberg was, like, wide – like, Baycott's just guarding the paint, and Wardenberg was, like, wide open from the top, top of the key, and he drills a three. It's like, all right, this game is – it's not a basketball game. Yeah, I mean, I here's here's the thing. Like, this is the most frustrating part about North Carolina – they have the talent to be a top 10 team in the country. This is one of the more yeah. talented teams there is. You won't find many more talented teams. They just aren't that good. And that's just disappointing because of how talented the team is. And I've said this numerous times as we've, as we've talked about this team throughout the year, but North Carolina's had a bad three-year stretch, probably as bad as you'll see in program history. Like, I don't have, I don't, I don't know the stats to back that up, but it's got to be one of the worst three-year stretches in program history going from being awful in 2019-2020, given they just had a lot of bad circumstances. I mean, Cole Anthony was hurt a lot. The Brandon Robinson, I think, got hurt a couple different times. I mean, they just were unlucky with injuries. It just happened. Teams had that year occasionally. They There just wasn't going to be much that, prevent, that uh, had that season going in the right direction. But last year, they made the tournament, but did anybody really think North Carolina was a legitimate contender to do anything? No. They were an eight seed and they lost to Wisconsin. And yeah. this year, maybe they make the tournament as like a ten or eleven seed. I, they're not going anywhere though. Like, yeah. the the frustrating thing, like you mentioned, is like they have they have the talent to do so. Like Kentucky last year, I mean, they had talents. They were wasn't... so they were just so young in yeah. a year where it was bad to be young because yeah. there was no off season workouts with the team. It was just a really bad year to be young, and they yeah. were really young. And same with Duke as well. But like yeah, this year's I mean, team, Duke, Duke at least they had like Matthew Hurt. Yeah. He was but, a sophomore too, but. Yeah. This year's team, there's just like this North Carolina team. It's like, in, it's more inexcusable because one, you have a sense of normalcy. It's not like a year where you're not able to practice until November 1st or whatever it was last year. Like last year for a lot of teams just throw it out the window altogether. Like 
I'll be willing to give you a pass on whatever happened last year as a team. This year, yeah, if you were bad last year, I just don't really consider it much. Yeah, like it, it's in the record books. You weren't great, but hey, it there were it was a weird year, and especially if you're young. But this year's North Carolina team, like it's not like they're inexperienced. Like Caleb Love, R.J. Davis, same same guard duo that was there last year, same guard duo uh, led them to the NCAA tournament. Armando Baycott, same center who was playing alongside Garrison Brooks last year. Uh, I mean, I guess that, you know, Dawson Garcia coming in, that should theoretically be a good transfer. Like, we we thought Garcia, uh, Bray Manick would be a good kind of pair. And I think offensively, this North Carolina team is fine. Like, they're they're not bad offensively. It's just defensively, they're not guarding people. Uh, no one wants to, you know, get down it. Like, Sometimes you need like lesser play, like lesser talented players that want to go out and guard players and like lock down defensively. It just seems like with North Carolina, it's like Caleb Love, R.J. Davis, they that's their like they're hanging their shots. Armando Baycott, he's you know maybe more focused on getting rebounds than he is on uh, you know locking down inside. So I mean, this North Carolina team, they gotta get a whole lot better. Uh, just to have a chance to make the NCAA tournament. I think mm-hmm. Hubert Davis, you know, tough, you know, it's year one. I'm not going to take anything away, you know, huge uh, in year one, but he's got to get this team turned around. They need to start guarding people and maybe throws like a funky two, three zone out there. Uh, just play his own defense. Cause maybe they guard better that way. He needs to have some sort of answer though. We'll see, but another game to talk about here is Kentucky against Texas A&M. The uh, Texas A&M Aggies tried getting their first quality win of the year. We, they're 15-2 and two entering this game. They competed with Kentucky the whole time, but they did not have the shooting to end up winning. They went one for 22 from three. Henry Coleman had a great game, but Kentucky, the talent there, ends up winning out. Uh, the Wildcats really struggled shooting also, four for 18. The two teams combined went five for 40 from outside. Texas A&M's a really good defensive team. Buzz Williams is a great coach. But at the end of the day, we saw the difference in talent here. Kentucky's one of the more talented teams in the country. While Texas A&M is talented, but not to that degree. And I think that's kind of what we're going to see from them. They'll play hard every – they're like a Minnesota, just a little more talented. Uh, They're going to play hard every game. They're like Marquette, but less talented. We'll see them play hard every single game. They're going to be tough for 40 minutes, but there's going to be games where they just don't have the talent to win it. Yeah, and – too, I, I think it's like I, I don't think come away saying like that darn I'm impressed by Texas A&M they were able to keep it close with Kentucky like I, I still think the jury's out on Texas A&M I think that one this is the biggest game of the year for Texas A&M they probably played uh, close to an A game like the students were sold out and fans were going crazy they did make uh, one three though I'd assume they can do better than that like they yeah. have done better than that yeah I mean They'll probably shoot better than this, but like Kentucky struggled. Like Kellen Grady, how often is he going to go one for nine from three? Probably not too often. Severe like, Wheeler, eight turnovers. Yeah, eight turnovers. Like I don't necessarily come away impressed with Texas A&M to kind of you know show resolve and compete in this game. Although that they didn't look you know necessarily overmatched in this, I'm more impressed with Kentucky because they they come out tough road environment. Fans are rocking, uh, sold out arena. Everyone's 
you know, booing Kentucky. They want to pull off the upset. And Kentucky, they probably play like a D-plus game, and they still find a way to get a road win. And uh, this coming, you know, as they'll play Auburn this weekend, that's going to be certainly game of the weekend. We'll, we'll preview we'll dis- it. Yeah, we'll discuss that uh, here pretty shortly. But uh, to get that road win, despite not playing your best, I think that shows well for Kentucky going forward. Uh, they'll have a tough three-game stretch. They'll play at Auburn. Mississippi State at home should be a win, but then they go to Kansas. Uh, we'll we'll learn a lot about this Kentucky team over the next three games. They're able to go two and three in that. I mean, that's going to be extremely impressive, uh, considering both those games will be against probably top five teams. Uh, you know, I think Kansas will move ahead of, I think, Duke and Purdue. So probably both be top five uh, road games. They're able to get one of those wins. That would go a long way towards them, maybe, you know, contending for one seed. And the final game to really recap here of the week is USC did the unthinkable. They won in the Colorado University Event Center is what I found out it's actually called today, a.k.a. Boulder Coliseum but it's actually called the CU Event Center, and that's pretty interesting. I didn't know that. Uh, But Colorado lost. I mean, they don't do that a lot at home, but USC was able to get a much-needed win after a rough week last week. Close game, USC. uh, They went 3-for-12 from 3, but they were really solid defensively. They didn't let Colorado get anything easy inside, and the Trojans were able to come away with a hard-fought road win. Yeah, certainly good road win for uh, USC. Uh, Didn't look like they played their best. I did not watch this game. It was on the Pac-12 network, so I've I've no. I did not watch this game either. Yeah, yeah. It was also on the, as the same time as Indiana Purdue. That's why so. I didn't watch it. Like I I do have the Pac-12 network. I did not watch it because it was not near my top of priority list to watch. Yeah, I I I do think that Pac-12 does do a good job of putting the games that you don't have priority watching on the Pac-12 network. Yeah, like Pac-12 Network, I mean, I wish there was an easier way to have it than having to pay more money than I would like to to get it. But, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. Uh, But no credit to USC. I would – I think the ESPN was doing something else tonight. Like, I would like to have that game maybe on ESPN. I think it was the Australian Open. Oh, that's probably why. Yeah. All right, well – you could put this on ESPNU. Still, um, there was there was a game on ESPNU. Probably well, you, contract related with the Pac-12 Network. We'll we'll give them a pass this time, but we would have liked this on ESPNU or something. I wouldn't have watched it either way, to be honest with you. I was locked in on Belmont, Moorhead State, and uh, Indiana Purdue. Well, put this on. ESPN U at eight or okay. nine. That that Eastern. I would have watched. Yeah. By the Not way, the San same. Francisco's up eleven. Yeah, my my cable has gone out. Your cable should figure it out. I mean, upset alert here. I know it's like one of these games to watch, and the cable. My my cable's been weird this week. It went out Tuesday during. The Kansas Oklahoma game, uh, which I was kind of watching and had to pull up the good old uh, ESPN app for that. So, love the ESPN app. Yeah. 
Good app. Great app. Yeah. I, I, I like that. I can like have, I can be like checking all the scores on my phone mm-hmm. and have like that little screen. Oh man. That's a lifesaver. That was yeah. not always there. Yeah. Like I could be watching Netflix and be on Twitter at the same time. Yeah. But I am not like on Netflix, but Hey, I'm on Netflix occasionally. And that is the most underrated addition a phone a phone feature i've ever seen i mean yeah before you'd have to even if you want to respond to a text you had to just stop what you're doing and go respond to the text and i can just respond to the text while watching whatever you're watching yeah it, it, it underrated underrated very underrated it's like it's like the uh miami of phone features is Miami underrated at this point? Not really, but I couldn't think of an underrated team. So Davidson, Loyola San Francisco, Chicago. Loyola, Loyola Chicago. Chicago. Ranked. I'll say Davidson. Yeah, it's a good call. Davidson's a good Davidson. one. Davidson, Murray yeah, State. Gonzaga should probably defend the basket because San Francisco's had like five uncontested looks at the basket. That could be an issue. Yeah, it's just that is not going stellar. But Holmgren is two fouls. So, oh. well, there, there's. There's part of the defensive issues, but mm-hmm. I, I still say Gonzaga probably finds a way to win. I'll, I'll watch, hopefully watch this game and figure out what's going on with Gonzaga. But if Gonzaga loses, I, I don't know what we'll have to do here. But I mean, I think San Francisco should be ranked. Yeah, obviously that. All right, if Gonzaga loses and let's say Auburn loses – Who's number Arizona. one? Then? Arizona. Arizona? Pretty easily, yeah. I don't know. They're the third team right now. Why wouldn't they be? They're number three now. Little Arizona slanders. I'm not I'm not with that. Well, here here's my slander on Arizona. The, their resume just it's not great right now. Well, they beat teams by a lot, and that's what matters. So yeah. All right. But what should we get into our picks now? Yeah. Uh which Arizona should add a quadrant one win, so maybe that helps here as they're beating Stanford. But only two quadrant one wins right now. Not not incredible, but still plenty of time to add to the resume. But, yeah, for the picks, I mean, let's start out Friday night. We've got Illinois, Illinois going on the road to take on Maryland. I think this is just kind of a – prime spot for Illinois to win and win big. So I'll go Illinois. I think this is a prime spot for just classic Big Ten home court advantage to come in. I think Maryland covers. I don't think they win. I think it'll be competitive. I think Cutis Wahab could do pretty good on Kofi Coburn because he's another big body. Uh, I I think Maryland stays competitive. All right. You now have a four-game lead. It's getting out of reach, so that's good. Yeah. Uh, So there you go. Although I do have San Francisco plus 15. That's the spread we uh, went with. So could be down to three games here shortly. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. The game doesn't look over to me. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, there's still looks like 30 minutes of basketball. So Gonzaga is always capable of going on like a 30 to three run. Yep. So uh, second game. Michigan State going at on the road to take on Wisconsin. I like Wisconsin in this spot. Like, I haven't been impressed with Michigan State. I don't think they overwhelm you talent 
wise. And it's Wisconsin team starting to, I think, kind of find their roles. I do think they'll have like some sort of letdown spot in the future, but I don't think it's at home against Michigan State. I think Michigan State's a, a little overrated. I think they're kind of like the USC of the Big Ten there for a moment. They don't have a star, uh, but Tom Izzo's a great coach, of course, and they'll figure things out. But they did lose at home to Northwestern without Pete Nance. Give me Wisconsin to win this one easily. All right. Uh, so, yep, we're both taking Wisconsin to cover the three. Saturdays. I minus nine. Like, I can't believe it's three. That's kind of crazy. It's a trap. It's a trap. Those don't happen in home games, though. That's away games. That is true. Wisconsin's fine. Yeah. Uh, Saturday's game of the day, this weekend's game of the weekend, uh, game of the week maybe, is Kentucky going on the road to take on Auburn. Uh, Auburn is only a three-point favorite. Uh, It's going to be a big game for Auburn. I think if Auburn wins this game, no matter what happens with this Gonzaga uh, game. I think Auburn will move to number one if they win this game. Mm, uh, take. That's an interesting take. I disagree with it, but here's, here's why take. I say this. I'm I'm just not dropping Gonzaga for not losing. Well, like if they beat San Fran by 20, I, I can't drop them. Here's why I think it will happen. Cause if Auburn wins this game, they'll move up in like Ken Palm and Torvik and all these and combine that with Duke and Purdue losing, which uh, drops them probably below Auburn. And uh, one AP voter shall remain nameless. You could probably figure it out who it is. Had Auburn ninth uh, due to him basically just copying Ken Palm and Torvik. Had he ranked them fourth, they Auburn would have been number one. So uh, for that reason, I'm saying Auburn ends up getting – number one ranking if they win this game, but they've got to win it. And I don't think they do. I think Kentucky goes on the road to Auburn. Uh, they pull off the upset. I like what Sheboy is giving them inside. I think he's going to hustle for, you know, something like 15 rebounds in this game. I think Ty, Ty Washington, Severe Wheeler, uh, Kellen Grady all have good games. I'm taking Kentucky to go on the road, stun Auburn, uh, and cover the three-point spread. I'm with you. I think Kentucky wins this game. We both had Kentucky in the final four in the preseason. I stand by that. I think they're one of the best teams in the country. They've looked like it recently. They didn't shoot the ball well the other day, but Kellen Grady, he should shoot the ball a little more, to be honest with you, because he's a dynamic scorer. I do, the only thing for me is how do they defend Jabari Smith? I think that's with Jacob Toppin. So I want to see a lot of Jacob Toppin in this game. Uh, if he's able to stop Jabari Smith, I think Kentucky wins. Yeah, or at least slow Jabari Smith. You're not going to stop him, but at least keep them to like 15 points. Yeah. That, that's, that's kind of what you're hoping to do. Yeah, that's, that's fair. Yeah. And then just have Sheboy dominate uh, inside against Kessler and then have the guards outplay to Auburn's guards. And that's, that's kind of the formula, but yeah, I, I like this Kentucky team. I think they they're due for one of these big time performances. Uh, another big game, state of Florida rivalry. Florida State, they won the last matchup, but they go on the road to take on Miami. Miami, two-point favorites in this one. Uh, I'm rolling with Miami. I think they're Mm -hmm. really good, and it is at home. pair of Raekwon Evans free throws won the game for Florida State, the last matchup. Debatable if it was a foul. I think it probably was, but it was close. I'm going with Miami to defend home court here and come out with the victory. 
they are just really good offensively, and that's what it comes down to. Let's see if uh, how Florida State's able to defend them. Malik Osborne didn't play today against North Florida. I don't know uh, if he'll play in this game. If he does, that's good for Florida State, but I think Miami wins regardless. Yeah. Could be a good matchup. I think Florida State keeps it close, but Miami, I think, is just a little bit better. Uh, Baylor going on road to take on Oklahoma. Oklahoma. The By the way, Gonzaga's be- winning already. Right. Oh, that's no fun. Yeah, that didn't last a lot. It was fun while it lasted. Uh, but yeah, Baylor going on road to take on Oklahoma. Uh, Oklahoma five point underdogs in this one. Still no word on Akinjo or Sohan. Uh, I think they could make a difference. But I'm going to roll with Oklahoma to uh, cover the five-point spread. I think they'll keep it close uh, and keep it, like, within one possession. I'll take Baylor to win. Uh, they'll be on some late, late drama. Baylor at Oklahoma, right? Yeah. Okay, I know I've said I think Oklahoma wins this game. Uh, ah, man. I'll take Oklahoma, I guess. I don't feel great about it. I think Porter Moser's defense will be able to stop Baylor a little bit. If Akinjo plays, I'm thinking Baylor. If he doesn't play, I think Oklahoma. But I think Oklahoma keeps it close. Give me Oklahoma, but I don't feel great about it. All right. I think I think Jacob or I think Tanner Gross could have a big game. Yeah, I mean the first matchup, I think Oklahoma kept it kind of close. They were getting some quality shots. Uh, they just Baylor had one of those good shooting nights that they're susceptible to having and Oklahoma didn't have much of a chance at that, but I mean, I think Oklahoma's going to be able to keep this one within a possession here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm also going to take Kansas state to keep it within a possession. I think this is going to be a game that goes down to the wire, uh, probably game of the year for Kansas state uh, playing against uh, our tribal Kansas. So uh, I'll take Kansas state to cover the six. I'll say Kansas giving the six. I just think Kansas is top to bottom better. And Mark Smith is in a great job in the small ball four role. I think he could have some problems in this one against Jalen Wilson. Yeah. And going to be interesting. Your team has a reliable center, but both have centers that could go off. So be interesting to watch. LSU going on the road to take on Tennessee. Tennessee is favored by one. I don't. I don't really like either these teams right now. Like LSU is dealing with some injury issues. We'll see if don't Xavier have Xavier Pinson. Maybe if, if Pinson plays, I would take LSU without a doubt. Yeah. But I'm taking Tennessee because I trust Kennedy Chandler more than I trust any guard LSU has. Yeah. And like the other thing too, is like, like even if Chandler has a bad game uh, that they, they still have Zakai Ziegler, who's pretty good. So. Who would also be their be- who would also be LSU's best guard? Yeah. So yeah, give me give me Tennessee minus the point here, but yeah. Uh, I think it'll be kind of a close game. I'll just take the balls to win. And they're playing at home too, which helps. You would be going on the road to take on Louisiana Tech. Let's Louis- go. Louisiana Tech, one point favorites in this game. Kenneth Lofton Jr., he's a monster. Uh, but UAB's got the depth. I'm going to take uh, Louisiana Tech to defend home court, uh, get the win here. But this should be, you know, if you're one to tune in, you'll watch a mid-major matchup. This is the game to watch. This is going to be a fantastic game. 
uh, two really good teams. I'll take Louisiana Tech, though, to win. UAB only allows opponents to shoot 43% from two-point range, but they aren't particularly stellar defending the three-point uh, arc. Maybe they double Kenneth Lofton Jr. They have Trey Jemison and Josh LeBlanc, who are both very solid defenders. I'm curious to see what they do on Kenneth Lofton Jr., though. That's the biggest question. But the thing about Kenneth Lofton Jr. is he's able to break double teams, and he's able to pass and find open shooters against double teams. They run a four-guard lineup most of the time with Isaiah Crawford out for the year. I think L- I think not LSU. I think Louisiana Tech's going to come out with the victory, partly because they're in home court, partly because they have uh, the best, they, partly because they have the uh, best player on the floor, and partly because that best player on the floor knows how to make plays for not only himself but others. I think Louisiana Tech comes out with the victory. All right, both going on Louisiana Tech, Wake Forest uh, playing at home to North Carolina, who we mentioned earlier got blown out by Miami. Miami, I'll take. I'll take Wake to cover at home. Two points. Yeah, I'm not here. taking North Carolina. I'll tell you that. <laughs> and shout out to Steve Forbes. I mean, they're doing a great job there. Alondis Williams has been one of the better transfer portal additions, playing like an All-American. Davian Williamson's been good. Jake LaRavia. Uh, even Kadeem C., who's been in college forever, he's doing a good job. He's on his fourth school. Uh, he, he started at a Virginia Tech and then went to Ole Miss and then Juco and then now at Wake Forest. So he's another one of those guys that is – utilizing the COVID year and then uh yeah I'll, I'll just take Wake Forest because they're they're pretty experienced they're good and they you know play they're not great defensively but they defend I mean I don't let me pull up the numbers here it yeah, feels they're, like they're they solid tried defensively. defensively yeah they're solid defensively they're not great but they're solid and they're solid offensively they're, they're not great at like either spot on the floor but they're solid both ways Oh, believe me, they'll look like the 2015 Warriors uh, playing against North Carolina. <laughs> Everyone seems to uh, playing yeah. against North Carolina at this yeah, point. Yeah, if, if you need a get-right game offensively, you know who to play. Yeah, in a shooting slump, go play North Carolina. Uh, now, if you're having, you know, if your offense is fine and you have defensive issues, like maybe, maybe go play someone else. Go play, uh, who's a team that's... Virginia? Yeah, go play Virginia. But if, if you're in a shooting slump, uh, go play North Carolina. Uh, you, that, that will get right. So Wake Forest minus the two, both like those. UCLA going into Boulder Coliseum. Uh, they're currently playing Utah. They're up by one at this point. Um, according to CBS Sports app, uh, which could I think be that's accurate. It is uh, accurate, yeah. There we go. So, uh, yeah, CLA up by one. I mean, it's still first half, so plenty of game time left. Uh, but, yeah, I'm taking Colorado. They're not going to mm. lose two straight games at Boulder Coliseum. Tough one against um, USC in this game, but they don't have to go anywhere. They just come back two nights later. UCLA has got to travel uh, even more. So I'm going to take UCLA to – uh, uh, get upset on the road at Colorado, and Colorado will cover the six-point spread in the process. I'll take Colorado covering. I think UCLA wins. I, I think six is too much. I don't think Colorado really has the talent to beat USC or UCLA, though. All right, so both going Colorado here. Uh, three more games. One more, last one on Saturday. Boise State. Going on the road to take on San Diego State. 
Uh, Broncos just come off a big win against Utah State. Going on the 11 road. in a row. 11 in a row. I think that streak, though, ends uh, San Diego State. Tough place to play. I'll take San Diego State to win and cover the five-point spread. I would take the under on whatever the number is because neither of these teams are particularly stellar offensively. I think that San Diego State will win and cover, though, because their home court is just a really good advantage for them. Matt Bradley will be the best player on the floor. Yeah. And, you know, if this game was played in Boise, I'd probably take Boise State to, like, the if it was, like, pick them in Boise, I'd probably take Boise State, but just because mm-hmm. played that at San Diego State. Like, that's that's a tough, tough home court environment, like, hard to win there yeah not easy yeah sunday's action michigan going on the road to take on indiana uh rolling with the hoosiers here uh this could be maybe a letdown spot but i think they've had enough time to kind of recoup and trace jackson davis will probably play more than what was it 12 minutes in this game against purdue i think got up to 14 oh up to 14 I think hot take. He's going to play more than 14 minutes. Uh, And Indiana will cover the three points. It was 11 minutes. Wow. 11 minutes. Oh my Patrick to pay just threw down one of the best dunks I've ever seen. He just dunked all over drew Timmy. That's tough. Yeah. I mean, that was awesome. They, they grow a mustache and do the mustache celebration. I love Drew Timmy, but if someone did the mustache celebration on him, that'd be so funny. I, who's that guy? I think they played Larry like Owens. Yeah, they. Who they played two games in a row, and then the second Western game State. Row. Yeah, and then Larry Owens just does the mustache celebration. Iconic. Yeah, and he like asked him if he could do it, and then Timmy was like, "Yeah, that's fine. Go for it." You're, you're down 30. Go for it. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, who do you like in this Michigan-Indiana game? I think Indiana is just better. So, I'm going to go Indiana and they're at home. I haven't seen enough for Michigan's offense to make me believe that they're going to be able to be super competitive here on the road. The only chance Michigan has is Mike Woodson, uh, where's the quarters at? That's the only chance. Mike Woodson's in a suit, though. Game over in the end by 20. Uh, last one here. Xavier going on the road to take on Marquette. I'm rolling with mm. Marquette here. Uh, I think good home court environment. Uh, they've had enough time to kind of relax after this big uh, win. And I haven't been impressed with Xavier watching them recently. I think they're in a little bit of a funk. So I'll go with the team that's hot. I'll ride Marquette till they burn me, which could be shortly, could be in this game. One of Xavier's best advantages is their size with Jerome Hunter and Deontay Miles and Fremantle and Nunji. They just have a lot of different dudes they can play that have good size. Nunji and Fremantle are more offensive guys. Miles and Hunter can defend. But in this one, Marquette is plenty of size. Kirkweth, great defensive player. Oso Iguodaro, good offensive player, solid defensive player. Justin Lewis, he's good on both ends of the floor. Give me Marquette because... I, I just had trouble going against this Marquette team because of how hard they play. Like, I feel like they're always going to keep the game competitive. Yeah. I, I like this Marquette team too. So yeah, we've got 
similar picks here. I think we've got mostly pretty similar picks, especially. So we're differing Kansas, Kansas State. I'm taking Kansas State to cover. You're taking Kansas. Uh, Maryland, uh, Illinois is different. Yeah, so. And then we still have the pending result, uh, which by the time most of you are listening to this, you'll know the spread in this one. But uh, ongoing results. Uh, I have San Francisco plus 15, Gonzaga minus 15. So not going to be able to catch you, but uh, I guess theoretically I could get within a game of you. Mm-hmm. Or you could be leading by seven. I'll, I'll be leading possible. by seven. Yeah, I'll be leading by seven. All right. Uh, so that, another fun week in college basketball in the books. Uh it's kind of weird, like, early in conference play, like, it feels like the weeks are, like, loaded with all these upsets, and then the week weekends have been solid, but not overwhelming. But we have the weekend matchup of the season thus far. Like, Auburn-Kentucky, that's the that's probably the best conference game to this point in the season. Yeah, it should be exciting. Hopefully everybody that uh, watches enjoys because it should be fun. Yeah. Uh, any last thoughts before we sign off here? No, that'll wrap it up for me. All right. How, how about quick uh, AFC NFC championship picks? Who's mm. who's playing? Uh, Bengals, Chiefs, Packers, Buccaneers. All right. I have Bengals, Chiefs, uh, Packers versus Rams. Mm. Going different there. Okay. Yeah. So. Those are the picks, but they'll probably be wrong. Uh, Any departing thoughts, though, before we sign off? No, that'll wrap it up. All right. Thanks again for tuning in to the podcast. Make sure leave a nice rating. Uh, Apple, Spotify, wherever you uh, leave the rating certainly does help. Uh, And until then, we'll be back next time.